Don't miss the 12th, okay? Sunday, September 12th, be here, be here, be here. Also, building you up, we've got all these lift groups going, but Financial Peace University is coming back. Yeah, so uh, Josh and Julie will be leading that for us as always, and they have some just amazing testimonies, but so do many of you. So in the coming weeks, we'll be able to hear some more from Josh about FPU. Um, there is some online sign-up options, and there will be flyers coming out. But if you or your teenager or your college student or someone you know needs to know how to manage their money God's way, this is the class. So make sure that you make a way to be able to be there and let's all be able to trust God with our money the right way. Praise the Lord. The next thing is tons of you are asking about baptisms. I promise you I'm going to be done talking very shortly. Baptisms are coming up on September 19th. September 19th. Um, baptisms are a really huge deal to me, a huge, huge deal, because it is you outwardly showing and outwardly committing to the Lord in life. And it's good for you to make that decision in your heart. That's how faith comes and that's how we grow and are made right with God. But that outward display of what went on on the inside of you is so beautiful and so important. So there is a sign-up sheet at the info booth. Make sure you get your name and phone number on that list so that we can make sure that you get a certificate that you can put on your wall as well. And as many of you as feel you need to do that or want to do that, you're welcome to. There will be a baptism class to talk a little bit more about that just 30 minutes prior to the service of that baptism. Okay, praise the Lord. All right, very good. So we had a lot going on, as you can tell, in September. We're really kicking it into high gear with all these things. So just make sure that you take advantage of everything that's being offered right now. This is a golden opportunity uh, for you to be baptized if you haven't had that, or the Financial Peace University to uh, get some help with your finances. Amen. I mean, it's it's one thing for God to bless you, but when you manage well what he's given you, he can trust you with more. Amen. If you're faithful with little, he can make you ruler over much. And that's what we want. Amen. All right. Well, uh, what we've got going on right now is a moment that we have all been waiting for. We've spent the last three, three and a half weeks um, challenging each other with our uh, 2021 Olympic style HDWC t-shirt social media challenge. That was the biggest thing I've ever said in my life. That was, that was a sentence right there. Thank you. Amen. And so what we've done is uh, we've had all sorts of people taking pictures in your church T-shirt and posted it online. We have had some wild things. I mean, I've, I've seen things that I just never thought that I would see. But I want to give you some updates from this week. And then we're going to bring in the finalist. And as promised, there is a first prize of $17.76 right here. It's here. I counted it. Amen. I hope you like pennies because there's, you know, praise God. And then, uh, and then of course, uh, we'll be handing out the Olympic gold medal. It is so fresh from China that I haven't even unwrapped it yet. So come on, somebody. It's going to get real here in just a minute. Uh, but with all that being said, mainly let's go ahead and see what we've got going on this week. First of all, this is Alex Church, who I, I did not uh, commission this, condone this, or endorse this. But praise God, he did it. And uh, Alex... Loves Jesus, loves his church, and loves t-shirts so much that the man literally got the church logo inked onto his arm for the rest of his life. So that's... 
That is, uh, that's, hey, more power to you. That's a level of commitment. He doesn't know we're changing the logo by the end of the year, so. We got an update coming, man. Uh, praise God, but that's okay. You know, there's room for more. Um, anyway, that's a joke. We're not changing it. Next we've got, oh, we've got the Coleman kids. Look at this. It's adorable. <laughs> okay, I have to talk about this one for a second. Okay, so there's a thing called the get along shirt. So I have to share with you, it's not really as effective as a disciplinary tool as it is as a parental entertainment tool. But we have done this with our kids just so they would stop hitting each other. Because you can't really, you can't get your arm out inside that shirt. So Coleman kids, I love you. This is amazing. Yes, yes, yes. So what a beautiful, they did great. Three kids in one shirt. I mean, talk about saving money right there. That's a, that's a thought. That's a thought. You know, cut your cost in a third. Okay. Uh, next we've got, uh, Nick Alva fighting Daffy Duck. Yes. All right. <laughs> Nick found out that he was no match for Daffy, so in the next picture, they're simply hugging. Go ahead, and there we go. All right, so there's Nick hugging, and uh, and Nick actually videotaped himself on a roller coaster uh, with his shirt on, uh, but I couldn't get the video on here today. So anyway, shout out to Nick, because it's not too smart to hold your cell phone on a roller coaster. Anyway, but praise God, we, we got a church full of brilliant people, and we're not ashamed of that. All right, next we have, this is Nadine Mumford, all right? She just... Uh, Yes, this is Nadine. I think she's watching online. She's in Tennessee this weekend, but this is her and her grandson. And uh, she noted that she forgot to bring her shirt with her. So she's literally wearing her grandson's T-shirt. So I said, wow, hey, praise God. Good for you. That's good stuff. So anyway, they captured some great moments there in Tennessee. All right. Next we have. uh, Okay, there's now we're coming down to some final stuff here. This is Adriana, uh, last Monday, or the Monday before, skydiving in her HDWC t-shirt. Go ahead and show us the next one at 12,000 feet. That's 12,000 feet rocking the t-shirt. Uh, and so... Adriana is our last winner from uh, the, I think it was the 2018 Winter Olympics. Uh, her and her sister posed as mannequins in the gap window for quite a while. And uh, anyway, in their t-shirts. And so they won last time. And uh, she brought she brought her A-game again because, hey, it's one thing to win the title once. But when you got to defend that title, come on, somebody. That's some hard stuff to do, all right? So I think that was our last one for now. Um, am I right, Maylee? Is that the last one? Okay, can we get the lights, please? All right, lights, please. So, what we got here is this. Uh, I hate to do this because I'm all about fixing marriages and restoring homes, but our two finalists are married to each other. And so I'm going to have to have Adriana uh, Church come down and Alex Church come on down. This comes down to... Uh, no. Now, speaking of Financial Peace University, uh, she invested hundreds of dollars for a chance to win $17. And <laughs> All right. And so we've got Alex. Let's see. Let's see the uh, there it is. There it is. OK, everybody check this out. All right. And we've got Adriana who took her game to twelve thousand five hundred feet. All right. So there's only one way to settle this around here at HDWC, and that is by applause. I need I need some judges. I need some very fair-minded judges that have no stake in the game. All right, so give me a uh, 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 Cletus. You're a referee. Get up here. I need Cletus. Come on. All right, Cletus. He's a referee. All right. 
And then I need someone, I need, uh, we'll, we'll get, a, even let a female be involved here. Let's get a girl, let's get a, Hannah, you're young, you must have good ears. Come on up, Hannah. All right, very good. <laughs> very good, all right. And so, this is how we settle this around here. And keep in mind, this is a, this is legit. We, this is not made up. Uh, what we're gonna do is, by, by show of applause, who do you think is the winner of the 2021 HWC t-shirt challenge? First of all, let's hear it for Alex Church. All right, let's hear it for Adriana Church. All right, all right, let me be with my, let me be with my judges. He said, okay. All right, well, we've conferred with the judges, and it appears that Adriana is the winner once again. <laughs> and so, um, first of all, here's here's your cash prize, the, the loot, and then, um, you know, because we love everybody, and these medals did come in a bag of 12, okay, I have a 12 of these. You know, I don't really believe in participation trophies, but uh, at the same time, Got some cute millennials here, so let's give you guys, that's a joke, it's a joke. Alright, uh, go ahead, can we get a drum roll please? I hate to do this live, pause, 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 just hold that, hold that. Uh, somewhere. Okay, Oriental Trading Company gave me 12 of these, so. Take, take one for you, your mom, your kids, everybody. Everybody gets a medal today. All right, very good, so. All right, everybody, let's hear it for our winners here. And, uh, you know, everyone's a winner. It's just some people are more of a winner than others. And uh, and we stand by that statement. So, Adriana, two-time champ, we'll get a picture here. Let's hear it for these guys one more time. Oh, Alex, you need another, t- hey, we love you too. I mean, <laughs> oh, all right. Very good. Very good. So they can split the 1776, however they see fit, as long as they tithe off of it. God gets his cut. Can I get an amen today? All right. Well, with that being said, what a perfect segue. I'm going to have Pastor Katie here uh, go ahead and do this morning's tithes and offerings and our missions offering for our missionaries. All right. We're off to a good start today. Praise the Lord. It's happy time. Let's try to get spiritual. Okay. Let's just attempt that. Okay. Praise the Lord. If you need an envelope for your tithe or your offering, please raise your hand and the ushers will be glad to serve you. We're going to go to a couple of places this morning um, to talk about the value of the Lord in our money. So our first place is going to be Psalm 24. I promise not to be crazy long-winded. I'll try to go fairly short, but I just want to share this with you a bit. Psalm 24, verse 1, says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. That psalm goes on to talk about how the Lord created the earth and gave his blessing to it. Everything we have is from him and because of him. Honoring that in our life is really very important. We're also going to go to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 33 is a refrigerator verse. And it talks about living righteously, but also that God will provide 
all of your needs. I'm going to start in verse 31. So Matthew 6, verse 31. The whole chapter is talking about trusting the Lord and how the birds don't have to feed themselves. They don't plant the food. They don't harvest the food. They just go and eat. All they have to do is make for for themselves a home. And so I think that's so valuable for us to remember in our money and in our jobs. It's not your job that's the provider. It's not that money or that paycheck or that bank account that provides for you. So when we're able to trust him, it makes all the difference. So Matthew 6, 31 says, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? We all know that back to school, we're all thinking about them extra pair of shoes you've got to buy and those extra clothes and all of that. Verse 32, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. That's not what you are. But your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. So then the question is that, are we trusting him? Verse 33 says, so seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. So if we're trusting in God, we're seeking his kingdom and not the natural things in front of our face. And he will give you everything that you need. Our needs are provided by the Lord and trusting him with our money is a very, very simple way to honor that, to put forth a natural portion of what's going on in our heart. So when you tithe and you give that 10%, it's simply letting him know, I know that what I have is from you. I'm going to honor you and I'm going to trust that that 90% that I'm keeping is blessed. And it's showing good stewardship as well. When we give offerings, we're not only trusting him with our money, but we're trusting in a harvest that comes back to us from Luke 6:38. When we give, it's given back to us. So trusting him with our money is really just trusting in the fact that he is an amazing provider and that he will pay back all that you sow in. So in that same vein, this is Mission Sunday, the third Sunday of each month, where we talk about our missionaries a little bit. I've already talked about the Thesons. Um, we're not on monthly support with them. We have supported them several times throughout COVID and things going on. Um, but what I want to talk to you a little bit about today is our local missions. Now, we support New Hope Village and what they do in getting people and families back on their feet. But our local missions are so, so important. How many of us know sometimes the frustration we feel going in to a business or a grocery store and you've seen the same person out there over and over again and you've heard that lie in that story over and over again and you think, can't they get it together? Can't we figure out a way to help them? Or how come the city isn't cleaning this up? It's not the city's job. It's ours. And so one way that we're doing our part in supporting that is, first of all, we all better be praying for them, right? We all better be doing our part in obeying the Holy Spirit and when he asked us to do in those situations. But we're also going to begin supporting New Life Fellowship as a church. They've been doing an amazing job in helping the Dignity Station and helping the city When the Dignity Station, which was our only homeless shelter or place to go cool down or get a bite to eat, when they closed that down because of some regulations and funding, 
new life as a church family took it on. So it's kind of unusual for a church to simply support another church, um, but we really believe in what they're doing, and we really know that for our city to change and for these families and these individuals to get help, that that is the way that the Lord is using it right now in our city. So we're supporting them on a monthly basis in order for them to provide food, shelter, bus tickets, hotel rooms, things like that. So we'll be supporting them as missions, and they'll use our funds to help in their local on hands-on missions as well. So as you give your tithes and your offerings this morning, if you're giving into missions, make sure that you pray over it. Make sure that you talk to the Lord on your way up here and that you honor him, not just plunk it in a bucket, okay? So praise the Lord. It is a spiritual thing when we give. So we're going to do our financial faith confession. And then as you bring it up, you go ahead and you can stay up here for worship with us, wherever you feel most comfortable worshiping the Lord. So today, as we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously to the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's all stand up if we can. We're going to worship the Lord together today. Let's sing. If there's one thing.
been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am made Oh, I will say of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkest nights You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have lived In the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am made Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God Let's sing the second verse I love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkest nights You are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend And I have been In the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so so good With every breath that I am made Oh I will see of the goodness
raise our hands to him this morning who knows this much that god has been faithful to you lord we love you we thank you we praise you for the times that that you've been there god when nobody else was there god when anybody else would have given up on us when anybody else would have just tossed us to the curb lord you've been there for us and you've never given up on us we love you we say great is your faithfulness great is your faithfulness today lord we praise your name there is none like you none other like you father we love you so much i was reading lamentations chapter three right here and and uh here we have jeremiah and the people of israel just going through a bad 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 time and it's you know one thing bad times come to everybody some people choose to just sit around and talk about how bad it is and then some people decide hey Let's do something about this. Some people decide, I'm not going to sit and talk about how bad it is. I'm going to start talking about how good God is. Amen. And so Rev, uh, Lamentations chapter 3 verse 21, Jeremiah says, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Amen. Isn't that good news? What if God's mercy came to an end? What if, what if his, what if his faithfulness, uh, came to an end right here, right now in your life? What if he's like, you know, I'm, I'm done. I, I can't do no more. I don't, I'm all tapped out. I've got no more faithfulness, no more mercy for these people. But look at this. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. His mercies are new every single morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. And you're never hopeless if your hope is in God Almighty. If your hope is in Jesus, there will never be a time never be a time where you are without hope. There will never be a time where you're all alone. That's a lie from the devil. You're not alone. You've got Jesus. You've got two-thirds of the angels. You've got the Holy Spirit living right on the inside of you. Never say, I'm alone. I don't know what I'm going to do. I know exactly what I'm going to do every single day. I'm going to the throne of God. Amen. And so say this with me. Great is His faithfulness. Great is His faithfulness. Amen. His mercies are new every morning. Amen. Amen. Let's raise our hands. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We are so grateful, Lord, that, that, that your goodness to us isn't measured upon our goodness, Lord, that your grace is sufficient no matter what we face. 
Your grace is enough to get us through it, God. Your mercies are new every single morning. And Lord, we just came here today to say that we love you so much, God. And I ask that you would have your way in here today, God. Speak some truth to us, Lord. We don't want any lies. We don't need to be comforted with lies, Lord. We want the truth because we want to be free. And the truth will set us free if we'll receive it, God. And so have your way today in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you that we're changing, God. We do not want to stay the same. We want to be more and more like you. And we give you praise and thanks for it, Father. We love you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Can somebody give God some praise today? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Praise God. Of course, every day is a great day to be in the house. I haven't found a bad one yet, man. I always feel better when I get into the house of God. Why? Because I'm around the people of God. Amen. And uh, it's not that God lives inside of this building because he said, I don't live in a building made of hands. Yeah, but his Holy Spirit lives in each one of us. And so the way I see it, when we all get together here, the Holy Spirit, God Almighty comes in here through a couple hundred people at a time. And I love to see it. And I love to be in the presence of God. God is good to us. And may we never forget how good he's been to us. Maybe you aren't exactly where you want to be right now. Maybe you thought, hey, I figured when I was this age, I'd, I'd be this far. And, and listen, aren't you grateful that you're not where you used to be? Aren't you grateful that Jesus came and picked you up out of the mess you were in? And at least you're here today. At least you're better off than you used to be. At least he didn't give up on us. Amen. God has been more than good to me. Amen. I was listening to this song the other day and it says, hey, on my best day, I'm a child of God. On my worst day, I'm a child of God still. And so there can't be any super bad day because I'm a child of God either way, no matter what happens. You can't take that away from me. The fact that I have been adopted into the family of God Almighty. Amen. Praise God. That man, that's I'm just excited about that. That that's that's good news. I I hear enough bad news in this world. I hear enough people puking and dumping and throwing their trash on us all the time. You came to church to know that God is good. Amen. And that there is hope and that things as a Christian can get better for you. Amen. Now we know the truth about the rest of the world because we've read this book cover to cover and I know that some things are coming up the road for the rest of the world but praise God we are in this world but we're not of this world. We're of the kingdom of God. Can somebody say amen today? Amen. All right. All right. All right. Well, we are uh, on part two of a series we're doing called Above All Else. Above All Else. And uh, as you saw last week, we're talking about a very key scripture in the Bible. Uh, and, and it's Proverbs 4.23. We're going to flip there. But, uh, but, but I'm telling you that if God's word says, hey, above everything else, I need you to do this, then I'm thinking, oh gosh, I better listen. What if somebody really important and really successful in life, somebody that you really admire, and you're like, hey, I'm coming to you for wisdom. I'm coming to you for help. What should I do? And what if that person said, okay, Okay, I'll tell you what, above everything else, here's what you're going to have to do. I'd be like, whoa, get the pen and paper out. I want to I want to hear what they've got to say right now. If they're saying to do this above all else, I better listen. And if you're a person that goes to God Almighty for wisdom, for understanding, for saying, God, what, what do I need to be doing right now? And he says, okay, above all else, here's what you better do. 
you better listen. You better pay attention to what he's about to say. So let's look here in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. Proverbs 4 and verse 23. Can we flip there this morning? Amen. Who came to church and said, hey, I want to leave that place better than I'm going in there today. I want changed. I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to stay the same. And that's, that's what I'm saying every time I come in to hear the word of God. I want it to change me. I don't have so much pride to say, hey, I don't need to change. I've got it together. Hey, I don't. But Jesus does. Amen. Proverbs 4. We're going to look here at verse 23 in the NLT. Proverbs 4, verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else. Well, why would I do that? For it determines the course of your life. Whoa. I thought my head determined the course of my life. I thought my money determined the course of my life. I thought my husband determined the course. No, guard your heart above all else for it determines the entire course of your life. And I love how the, the 2004 translation of the NLT says, above all else, guard your heart. It affects everything you do. Your heart affects everything that you do. Well, Again, we need to explain this because some people, when we say heart, they think that we're talking about the organ that beats on the inside of your chest. That's not what this is referring to, though it is a good idea to take care of your heart because, hey, I found out that heart disease is the number one killer worldwide. Somebody dies every 26 seconds from heart disease or 36 seconds. Anyway, I got that info from the CDC, and so I trust it with all my heart. Come on, yeah. They know what they're talking about, and they don't ever change their mind on stuff. Praise God. So even though they've got it together. Good for them. But at the same time, What I want to say is this word heart in scripture, nine times out of ten, nine and a half times out of ten, is referring to your spirit, to the innermost core of who the person is. Because humans, we're made in the image of God. God is a three-part being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you are a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And so when it refers to your heart, that is referring to your spirit. It says, guard your spirit above everything else. I mean, you need to take care of your body, no doubt about it. But uh, listen, I got to take care of my spirit even more so than that. I know people, they'll pay hundreds of dollars a year, thousands of dollars a year for a gym membership. They'll eat the right diet. They'll pay a bunch of money to eat the right food because they got to take care of that body, but they don't ever do anything to take care of their spirit. Come on, that's a fool right there. And I'm not putting down on nobody, but that's a fool. If you guard your physical body more than you even guard your spirit, you realize that your spirit, it never is never going to die. It's going to be in existence a million years from right now. And you're putting all of your focus onto the one part of you that's going to be around for maybe 80, 90. If you're doing really great, 100, 105 years, you're putting all your focus on that. And, and you don't do anything to take care of your spirit that's eternal. And it's going to be here forever. I'm sorry, but that's a fool. And then those same people that they, they, they'll spend thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars on the food, on the equipment, on, on, on the gym membership and everything. Then they look at you like you're stupid for giving a tithe of your income to God. And they probably pay 15, 20% of their stuff to take care of their body. And I'm saying, hey, that's a great idea. You ought to go to the gym. I don't know much about it, but I hear great things, right? But I'm telling you right now that I'm going to 
pay a whole lot more attention to my spirit. Amen. And and there's people that they heart disease may be the number one killer of the body worldwide, but there's a lot of people that have some spiritual heart disease because they don't guard their heart at all. They'll let anything and everything take heart shots all day long and they don't do a thing in the world to stop it. And maybe right now you're in here and you're miserable and you're like, hey, things is going bad. Things are, I'm telling you, I just, I don't have no joy. I don't have, and I present for your consideration, perhaps there could be an area that you did not guard your heart in. I'm just throwing that out there. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, tell you how I didn't guard my heart. It's it's this girl over here. It's this guy over here. It's my boss. It's, it's the it's the preacher, it's this, it's that. whatever, man. And, and sure, it's, it's real easy to throw everything off on everybody else, but how about if you want to actually fix things in life, we can really examine and lay our pride down and say, you know what, I opened up the door to attacks from the enemy because I didn't guard my heart in this area right, right here. And if we can get real, if we can quit trying to just throw our problems off on everybody else and look and say, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility for my own spiritual condition right now. If we would do that, you would change your life in a hurry. If you would take, if you would take responsibility, spiritually speaking for your life and for yourself, it would change things real quick. Hey, we're doing the best we can around here. We're dishing out the word hot and heavy three times a week. We got Bible studies going on all the time. We got prayer meetings. We're doing what we're trying to do to help you out. But there comes a point in time where you say, you know what? I'm going to have to be responsible myself. I'm going to have to learn to feed myself a little bit. I'm going to have to learn to pray for myself a little bit. I'm going to have to learn to lead myself in worship just a little bit. I'm going to have to learn to guard my heart above all else because it will determine the course of my entire life. And so as I've been praying... I just been uh, keeping a notepad with me, uh, you know, partying like it's 1995. I'm like, hey, I don't need to take notes on my iPhone. So I get this pad. And every time that God speaks an area to me, I'm writing down, God, what do we need to guard our hearts from? And I got this great big list compiled and there's no way I'll ever tackle all of it. But uh, but what I'm doing is each week here, I'm just praying, God, what do we need to talk about this week? What do people need to hear about that they need to guard their hearts against? And, and so I'm just going to go over three areas today day. Three areas that you need to guard your heart against. And I believe it's what the Lord's spoken to me for this week. And so if you're like, well, hey, that doesn't apply to me at all, then it probably applies to you big time. So just, <laughs> you're probably the one he's talking to. But anyway, uh, you know, that's between you and God. But let's go ahead and pray and get into the word. And we're going to look at some areas that you need to guard your heart in. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you yet again that we have a church to come and worship in, that, that we're surrounded by the people of God. We've got the word of God right here in the English language that we get to read. Thank you for the men that gave their lives for us to have a Bible in 2021. Lord, I pray that we will be transparent today, Lord, that we will open our hearts to you. You said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears me, they'll let me in. Well, Lord, we know you're knocking today, and I pray that we would open the door and let you in so you can do what you need to do to make us better for you. We love you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus, can somebody say amen? All right, the first area is this. Number one, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, so I'm like, God, you sure you want me to say this? And I believe that we need to say it again. So, in fact, I think we gave a pretty thorough sermon on this a while back. But number one, guard your heart 
from offense. Guard your heart from offense. Now, truth be told, we could preach on this probably once a week and still not get the job done. Because, and I'm going to show you, we live in the most offended generation of people that have ever lived on planet Earth. And I'm not even going to sit here and try to make fun and make jokes because I used to do that. But it's gotten to the point where it's not funny anymore. It's sad and it's sick and it kills people and it kills families and it kills nations. People being so offended over things that it's flat out a killer from the devil. And believe it or not, it is one of the key signs of the end times. Well, I don't believe it's an end time sign. I know the mark of the beast is, and I know that the Antichrist is coming, and I know that wars and rumors of wars. Yeah, well, in that same list, it talks about people being offended. Look at Matthew chapter 24 this morning, Matthew 24. And so as we are in the end times, which I very much believe that we are in the end times, uh, you know, it doesn't really take a deep theologian to study the scripture on this and find out that, hey, all these things Jesus said were going to happen right before he comes back are literally happening, especially in 2020 and 21. And one thing that people overlook, because it's real easy to kind of look at some of these uh, big uh, 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 signs that he talked about, and then, you know, the book of Joel talks about uh, there will be pillars of smoke coming from the earth and you know you can look at that and be like well that's you know atomic bombs you can look at all all these different things that are the big you know uh fancy i guess i don't know what word to use but but big old signs from heaven but there's some very potent uh things that jesus mentioned here in matthew 24 that he said are gonna happen right before he comes back and there's such things that seem so little that we've overlooked them. And as a matter of fact, even a lot of Christians are giving in to some of the things that Jesus said were going to happen. And so Matthew 24, and we're going to look here at, at verse 10. I'm in the new King James on this new King James, Matthew 24, verse 10, it says, and then many will be offended. They'll betray one another and will hate one another. He's talking about the end times here. You can read the whole chapter, but he's talking about what's it going to be like before the Son of Man returns. He says one thing that it's going to be like is many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. And so I'm studying this out, and, and this Greek word that, that, that says many will be offended, that, that word literally means majority. And so I'm like, what? No, there's no way. And as I'm reading this, Jesus says, listen, guys, before I come back, the majority of people on earth will be offended people. Think about that. How easy is it to attack people or a group when they're all mad at each other anyway. They don't stand up for each other. They don't, you know, one of the things that was interesting, uh, as the children of Israel came to take over the promised land, if you read the book of Joshua, they're attacking Jericho, then they're attacking this city and then that city, and, and, and they're attacking all these cities individually, and one reason that they did so well was God was on their side, but none of these cities got along with each other. They all were of the same blood, the same race, the same people, but they all hated each other's guts. And so, and so the Israel knew, Hey, we can go attack Jericho and the people from, from over here, they're not going to come and have their back. They hate them. And so listen, 
One thing the devil can do to you if you're offended and mad at everybody and, and I mean literally looking for things to be offended about, he can come in and eat your lunch and nobody's there. He's like, I, I don't, I can do this. Nobody's there to have their back and they don't have this guy's back. They're all mad at each other all the time. I got this. Listen to me. Jesus said that in the end, the majority of people will be offended people. And so I make it a top priority in my life to guard my heart from being offended. Do people do things that are offensive to me? Absolutely. Every day, man. If you're a Christian, how can you not possibly have the chance to be offended in this world right now? Everything they do goes against what we believe in. But listen, if I sit there and decide, man, I'm offended at him. I can't stand this guy. That's not going to get me anywhere. It's only weakening me and my ability to function as an end times Christian. And so Jesus said they'll be offended. But what do what do offended people do after uh, they're offended? Well, it leads to betraying one another. And then that leads to hating one another. These are some ugly words right here. They're offended. They betray others. And then they hate one another. Hate is not a word that Christians use. And I can say this with a clear conscience before God Almighty. There's not one person in this world that I hate. Not one. And by hate, I mean saying, you know, I wish they would just die. I wish they would just go to, you know, and, and, and that's an awful thing, but that's hatred. There's people I'm not particularly fond of. There's people that aren't on my best friends list. You know what I'm saying? But there's nobody that I hate. And when you let offense get a hold of your heart, it leads to betrayals and it leads to hatred, and this is one of the most potent and deadly and effective weapons that Satan uses against people. Now, I'm getting ready to tell the banana story, the monkeys and the bananas. Maybe you've heard this story, but I'm getting ready to tell the monkeys and the bananas story. And so I had Josh, my brother, he, he actually verified this for me, and we looked it up and found the video of the actual tribe that does this. But anyway, there's a tribe in a remote part of Africa that one of the delicacies for their culture is monkey brain. They, and they like that. It's good, you know, it's like, and so they've got a very effective trap and way of catching the monkeys uh that is it's you know it seems like that wouldn't work but i even josh showed me this video i'm like lo and behold it actually works they actually do this and so what they do is they get a little cage right with with the like a little jail cell with the bars they're all going vertical down not horizontal vertical and so what they'll do is they'll put this little cage out there and put a banana right in the middle of the cage and so the monkey comes up and sees a banana he reaches his hand in this way turns it grabs the banana and then he can't get the banana out because it's going against the bars. And he keeps, and then the little, the natives run out and they bop him over the head with a hammer. And then they, you know, crack his skull and eat the brains. And, and so I guess apparently it's delicious. I'm going to have to take their word for it. But at the same time, here's the thing. The monkey, there's nothing tying him down. He's too fast for them to catch. These guys are super fast. But here's the deal. If he would just let go of the banana, he could turn his hand and flee and get away. But because he's holding on to this thing and he won't let go, he just holding on, he won't let go of it, 
the enemy comes and beats him over the head until it's all over with. Here's the deal. There's a lot of Christians, there's a lot of people that they ran up to the cage, they they grabbed a hold of the banana called offense in this instance, and they're not letting go of it. They won't let go. And the enemy's just bashing you over the head beaten you, and if you would just let go and let God take over, you would receive some freedom. Yeah, but come on. You got to let go of that thing. And well, yeah, but if I did that, then then they'll never get what's coming to them. Listen, if somebody messes with a child of God, they will get what's coming to them because God himself said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will pay them back. If you will leave things in God's hands, sadly, if these people don't repent, they will get what's coming to them, sadly. And I don't root for that, and I don't cheer for that. But the fact of the matter is this, is that when you mess with one of God's kids long enough, there will be a price to pay for it. But the thing is, is if I take vengeance into my hands and take it out of God's hands, then that's all there is to it. I've taken it away from God, and I've placed that responsibility upon me. I'm not, I, I don't want that responsibility. I, you know, if, if someone's messing up and messing with God's kids and, 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 and with God's children, then you know what? I hope that they get it together, but I'm going to leave that in God's hands. I am not going to touch that because when I take things out of God's hands, then it's in my hands and I'm not so good at handling the things that should belong to him. And that's a word for somebody that a lot of people, you're like, well, where's God in this? You keep taking it out of God's hands and bringing it into your own hands. Whether it's whether it's your money, whether it's your healing, whether it's whatever, you keep trying to take God's job away from him and putting it on you. And it's not your responsibility. It's in God's hands if you'll leave it in his hands. Quit trying to play the role of God. You stink at it. You're no good at being God. But he's really good at it. If we'll leave things in his hands. And so as we look at offenses, I've discovered in life that there's two kinds of offense. There's those that are justified. You have every right in the world to be offended and upset. And then there's those that are really unjustified and you're just kind of being a little sissy about it. And I'm, I'm not putting down. I've been there and I've been little sensitive sissy boy and got offended over stupid things that were really not that big of a deal. Right. I've been in both. But here's the thing. Whether the offense that you've let get control of your heart because you didn't guard it, whether it's justified or unjustified, it doesn't matter. It has the same outcome both ways. It ruins your heart. I've seen on the news sometimes where people have got shot intentionally by someone and sadly they die. Then I've seen sometimes where somebody accidentally got shot with a firearm also. It was a total accident, total accident, but the outcome was exactly the same in both instances. And I'm telling you right now, you may have every right in this world to be offended and upset, and that's fine. That You know, maybe you have every right, but listen... The outcome's the exact same for you as if it was just something that you were being, you know, overly sensitive about. Well, that doesn't sound too fair to me. I think that I should be able to get people back, and I think that I should be able to hold on to this. And you can do that, but you're going to have heart conditions for the whole rest of your days down here on earth. And I don't want that. I want to be a fully functional, on fire full steam ahead, kicking the devil's booty, Christian, until I get to heaven and I dancing on those streets of gold. 
So you can cling to your rights to be offended, or you can say, you know what, I'm just going to give that over, and I'm going to, by the grace of God and the help of God, I'm going to move past this and put it behind me, and I'm going to have a clean heart before God Almighty. And, that, you know, again, that's totally up to you what you're going to do with that, but I know a lot of people that they would rather cling to their rights to be offended than they would run to the freedom that Jesus Christ has to offer. And it may feel good to be able to cling to your rights there, but I'm telling you right now, I've lived both ways. Freedom feels a whole lot better than being in bondage to something that somebody did to me years ago. I like freedom. I like freedom a lot more because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I have the presence of God in my life. I can come boldly to the throne of grace any time that I need to and find favor and help in my time of need. And I don't have to carry that banana with me. I let go of the banana a long time ago and I let Jesus bring me freedom. Can somebody say amen today? Now, why is offense such a, I mean, there's so many levels. And I, again, I feel we could talk about this topic every single week and, and, and still not do it justice because it's one of the main traps that the enemy is using in the end times. But another great danger of offense is what it leads to in verse 11. Look at the next verse here with me. So these offended people, they betray others. They end up hating other people. And anyone that hates somebody isn't really a child of God, according to 1 John 4, 7 and 8. But then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Offended people are very susceptible to deception. Most of the clearly offended people that come in and, you know, people that come to me and, and, you know, they're, they're just offended and offended and offended a whole lot of the time. They're also in some pretty major deception in other areas of their life. And, and if you look at Jesus words, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's no mystery why offended people, they end up betraying others that it eventually leads to hate, which is, I mean, just off the charts, not good. And then those people, there's false prophets that will rise up in the end times. And they'll deceive many. These people will fall for the things that false prophets are saying. And sometimes, I mean, I've seen false prophets. I've seen uh, false, I guess, ministers. I've seen people in the name of God do really bad things. And it wasn't God that had them doing it at all. And you sit there and you're like, how did anybody fall for that? How did anybody believe that? It's so obvious that that is not correct. It's so obvious that that was a bunch of baloney. How did they fall for it? Well, I'll bet somewhere along the line before they went from just being a solid Christian to following and believing a false prophet, somewhere along the line, they probably just opened up the door a little bit to the devil somewhere, potentially in the area of being offended. And then maybe they betrayed people around them that were actually good people for them. And, you know, sometimes people get offended at you when you are really helping them. Had that happen a couple times in my life, okay? (laughs) Where you're just trying to be there. You're just trying to help them. And then the minute that you say something that they just, it may be the truth. Some people don't like the truth. And that's not God's fault and that's not your fault. Some people don't like the truth. But maybe you presented the truth and then the offense comes in. They betray you. They end up hating you. And next thing you know, they're being deceived in all sorts of areas. How could all this be avoided? If we would guard our hearts 
against offense. Offense, it'll hurt you. Whether it's justified or unjustified, the result is still the same. It will wreck your life. And I don't like to see that. I, I hate to see somebody's life wrecked to pieces when Jesus told us how to handle some of these things. And in coming weeks, we're going to specifically show ways the Bible says to guard our heart. But the second thing I'm going to talk about today is this. Number one, guard your heart against offense. Number two, against resentment. Against resentment. Now, resentment, being resentful, uh, you know, that's another word that's not so fun to discuss, but we're here to help and we're here to set people free. And so resentful means a feeling or expressing bitterness or indignation at having been treated unfairly. It means a, 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 a bitterness, a, 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 a resentfulness against being treated unfairly. And so as I've looked up the definition of resentful from every possible angle, uh, most of the definitions point to the person was actually wronged. They weren't just being sensitive, okay? And so something legitimately wrong and bad happened to you, and then you let resentment come in and take over your heart. And you're like, well, hey, I, it is what it is. It's, 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 it happened to me, so I deserve to do this. And listen, you again, you can cling to your rights to be resentful, but you could also Run to the freedom that Jesus Christ has to offer and let him set you free from that resentment. Amen. And so that's something to think about and consider right there. But resentfulness is is, is a, a, a dangerous thing when it gets a hold of your heart. You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever known somebody that they've got a heart full of resentfulness? They resent this person. They resent that. that they just it, 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 it's a poison that overtakes the heart. And it'll screw your life up really, really bad. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, when the Apostle Paul is giving God's definition of love, okay, and that's beautiful, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, you can read that on your own time, but, but it talks about love is patient, it is kind, and it says, it is not touchy or fretful or resentful. I love them, but I resent them. Then you're not walking in the God kind of love. Because the God kind of love literally is not resentful according to 1 Corinthians 13. So there's no way. And again, we're not, we're not, uh, throwing stuff at you today. We're trying to help and bring some freedom to your life. And so, if there's anybody I know that deserved to be resentful. Anybody, I mean, top of my list of people that had every right in the world to be resentful, it was a young man named Joseph in the book of Genesis. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 45 with me this morning. Is everybody still here today? Amen, amen. We're just trying to bring the truth. Genesis chapter 45. And we're going to look at verses 3 through 8. Genesis 45 Verses 3 through 8. And we are talking about above all else. You have got to guard your heart. Above everything else. Guard your heart. Genesis 45. And as we turn there, just to catch up on the story, if you're not familiar. Joseph had some very bad things happen to him. Worse than anything I've ever had happen to me. And I would go on a limb to say probably worse than anything that's ever happened to you too. So obviously, if you're familiar with the story, Joseph loses his mother at a young age. His mom dies. 
And then his dad uh, has these 12 sons, right? And out of the 12 sons, Joseph is the favorite. And sometimes you're like, hey, uh, you know, I'd like to be uh, I'd like to be the favored one, the favorite one. Well, with that comes a lot of heat <laughs> when you've got the favor upon you. Not everybody appreciates it. And even right now, you are a new covenant child of God. You've got the favor of God on you and not everybody appreciates it. Maybe there's some times that, like, well, how'd they not get sick through all this? I don't get it. How are they doing? So, how does, how does, how does she have joy right now? How do they keep getting promoted? How do they, they, it seems like none of this stuff ever touches them and people will get mad at you. Why? Well, you're favored of God. You've got the favor of God all over your life and some people, they don't like it. And so Joseph was the favored one, the favorite one, and his brothers, they didn't appreciate it. So what happens? They throw him into a pit to die. And then one brother has some heart, Judah. He decides, hey, you know what? Let's just pull him out of there. And and so they sell him into slavery. And so he goes from his homeland to Egypt as a slave. And then he's finally climbing his way up the ladder as a slave. He's accused of rape and so falsely accused. So they throw him in prison. Now here he is locked up in prison for years and years and years. And it's like, man, this guy just can't catch a break. But as you study the whole story, not one time does he blame God. Not one time does he say, why God? Not one time does he really show any signs of complaining out of the entire story. How is that? Joseph was a master at guarding his heart. Now, I'm telling you right now, there's no way those things happen to you and it doesn't hurt. Joseph probably hurt pretty bad. His, his, his mind was probably like, how do my own brothers do this to me? His, his body had to hurt getting beat, getting thrown into pits, getting bullied around, getting shoved around like a prisoner. Listen, he probably hurt all over, but out of all of it, he guarded his heart like nobody you've ever seen before. Nowhere in here does it mention him being offended. Nowhere in here does he show any signs of resentment. And yet I know people in 2021, they're resentful because you got the last chicken wing at the Super Bowl party. And that sounds like a joke, but I know people that are, are offended over the dumbest things. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to judge and I'm not trying to be mean, but let's get real. People are making up excuses well, you didn't call me the right pronoun. You didn't call me the... Man, shut up. Shut up. That's ridiculous and that's stupid. We don't have to adjust our whole lives and societies to go with your imagination. And I'm not being mean, but someone needs to tell the truth around here because there's so much lies and deception going on in this world and in this nation right now that it is killing it. Thank you, Rodney. I will. Listen to me. Listen to me. The truth will set you free. And there's so many lies going around right now. People being offended over the dumbest stuff. And here we have a man that was falsely accused, that was put into prison for years and years and years, that was beaten and bullied and put down on and stolen from his own family and everything else. And never one time does he say, why God? But why? It's your fault. Never did this. Oh, one of these days I am going to get my brothers back. I'm telling you right now, I'm getting them back. Never one time. How is that even possible? 
you guard your heart above all else. And so look what happens here, because if you're familiar with the story, Genesis 45, verses 3 through 8, the day comes, there's a great famine in the land. Because of Joseph's ability to interpret dreams, he is promoted to the second highest position in the entire land of Egypt, and he is over all the food distribution. And guess who has to come begging for food? The 11 brothers, well, one of them was good, Benjamin, but the 10 brothers that did all of this to him, they have to come to him for food. And you know, if you've read the story, Joseph's kind of playing games with them for a little bit. Like, hey, is my he wants to find out if his dad's alive. Is my little brother still alive? And then finally, he reveals who he is. Genesis 45, verse 3. They're like, we need food. And finally he says, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers, is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. Talk about awkward. You think you've been in an awkward spot? How awkward is this? The very man that you destroyed his life is the man that holds your whole livelihood. He holds your life and the life of all of your family and the palm of his hand right now, and you ruined his life. Yeah, you think they were speechless? No kidding, they were speechless. Talk about a bad spot to be in. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother. He didn't say, hey, I'm Joseph. I'm your master now. <laughs> Woo, the tables have turned. I'm Joseph, your enemy. I'm Joseph, the man that is going to pay you back. He said, I'm Joseph. Guys, I'm, I'm, I'm your little brother. The one, you know, I'm, I, I'm your brother, your brother who you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Who would say something like this? It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. I'm here to save your lives, guys. It's okay. It's okay. Forget about what happened. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years, it's going to last five more years. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. It was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. He was the governor of all Egypt. Now, as I look at this story, I mean, even, even I've read it I've probably since I was a kid, I've probably read it a thousand times or more. But even as I read this, I'm like, who in the world could do something like that? A person that knew how to guard their heart. How could you go through that and not be bitter and resentful and angry and seeking revenge? He didn't have any of that. He guarded his heart above all else. And he came through it. Not only did he say, guys, I don't want to pay you back. It's over. I don't want to kill you. I want to save your lives. I believe that God set this whole thing up so I could save all of your lives. Forget about what happened. That's 
guarding your heart. So no doubt there had to be hurt involved along the way. And I'm telling you right now, there's people that are going to hurt you in life. There's people that probably have hurt you in life. But how do you want this thing to end? Do you want to end on top of this thing? Or do you want to end on the bottom of this thing and die with resentment and offense and bitterness in your heart? Guard your heart above all else. Because God can take a train wreck of a situation and sculpt it into something beautiful. Look what he did right here. This was one of the worst. I mean, you think your family's dysfunctional. They put the fun in dysfunction. These guys were nuts. This was a bad family right here. But look what happened. God sculpted it in to something absolutely beautiful. And so maybe you've had some legitimate bad things happen to you. We can't go back and change that right now, though I wish we could. But we can guard our hearts against it and not let Satan have a stronghold to use against you for the rest of your life. It was bad enough that it happened once. But when we let resentment control our heart, we let it happen again and again. I'm going to say that again. It was bad enough that it happened once. But when you let resentment control your heart, you let it happen again and again, day after day. And no one controls my heart except Jesus. Well, yeah, but you ought to let your wife. And listen, I love my wife. You know that with all my heart. I love her with everything that I am. But I don't put the responsibility of my heart and my spiritual condition upon her. Only a lazy person would do that. I'm responsible for guarding my heart. I'm responsible, even if we say offensive and hurtful things to each other, I'm responsible for guarding my heart. I mean, you can believe me or not, but I don't put my spiritual responsibility upon my wife. And she doesn't put it all upon me. Yeah, I've got a job to do. Yes, I'm the head of the household according to the Bible. Yes, I've got a lot of work to do there. I've got, I mean, there, that's a job right there, being uh, responsible for guarding and protecting and all that stuff. But I don't put, you know what, I'm bitter and mad and it's her fault. So there you go. God talked to her. No, I have to guard my own heart above all else. And it affects everything that I do. And you're in the same spot. And so, why was Joseph so successful? He guarded his heart like nobody else I've ever seen. And God used him big. And here's the third thing that I'm going to say. Now, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I don't, I don't go around saying this super often, but I know the Lord wanted me to say what I'm getting ready to say. And so, hey, if you've got rocks to throw, put them down. If you want to hit me with something, you know, praise God. Hey, you know, that's good. But but I believe that God spoke this uh, to me, and it's maybe not for everybody here, but it's for somebody, maybe someone listening online or whatever. But no doubt about it, I was supposed to say today what I'm getting ready to say. And so if we don't guard our hearts against offense and against resentment, and if we just let the things of life and the things of the world get to us, this happens to a lot of people. Number three, you have to guard your heart against enjoying sympathy. Enjoying sympathy. Now, let me explain before you decide to kill me and, and tell me I'm an insensitive jerk. I'm not an insensitive jerk. I'm a, I'm a soft guy. You, you know, those of you that know me, I'm a pretty nice guy. But I found out that somebody that has resentment built up, 
or often people that have been wronged or abused will unwillingly not, you know, they don't even, they're not conscious of it, but they will enjoy getting sympathy from others. And in turn, they will do things to obtain sympathy. Now, I've seen this, you know, I've been pastoring and in full-time ministry for 14 years now, talked to a lot of people, and I've seen a lot of things, and I'm just telling you right now, and it's, I'm not blaming the person, I'm not judging them, because there's some people, they had sometimes such a sad childhood, the only way they could get attention is if something bad happened to them, then maybe somebody would actually pay a little attention. Maybe if they got into a little trouble at school, Maybe someone would finally pay attention then. And in turn, this has developed a heart condition, all right? And it's done things inside of them to where they don't, they probably don't even identify it in themselves. But whether they know it or not, they get their fulfillment out of sympathy. And listen, sympathy is a good thing. Uh, uh, being compassionate is a really good thing. Jesus was full of compassion and sympathy and love and an unending love. But you can choose to try to obtain sympathy for the rest of your life, or you can obtain wholeness and healing from Jesus. But you can't chase both. It's going to be one or the other. And I have found that people that will really give it over to Jesus, being healed and whole is so much better. Where my fulfillment in life comes from Jesus, not from, man, if people would just feel bad for me, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe this would happen. That's a dangerous trap and it's from the enemy. And Satan would love to hold you in that bondage for the rest of your life. But Jesus has a greater plan for you. Jesus has something even better than that for you. He's got freedom for you. He's got victory for you. He's got you being more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And so... If the only way that, that you can, uh, the only way that you can obtain attention and feel like somebody cares for you in life is to have a storm in life, then you'll unknowingly maybe sometimes create storms or at the very least unconsciously welcome them when they come. Now some people you're like, oh, I don't, that doesn't make any sense. I know that doesn't apply to everybody, but it does apply to some people. And I want people to be free because whenever the enemy comes knocking on the door, I want you to stand up and say, no, we resist that in the name of Jesus. I'm just, I'm just being flat out real right now. Listen to me. When sickness comes, resist it. You don't need to have sickness in your life. Yeah, but I mean, if I did, then, then then this, and maybe my husband would finally pay attention to me, and and maybe this would happen over here. Listen, God's got a better way than that. God's got a better way than that for you. He's got a better way. And so, again, some people, when we let all of these offenses and, and resentments and things from the past get control of our heart, it determines the course of your life according to Proverbs 4.23. And before you know it, you're looking for affirmation in the wrong ways when Jesus says, listen, I love you. You don't, I, I'll love you anyway. I'm here for you anyway. I've got you anyway. I love you anyway, regardless of all that. He's got something better. So I want to show you something this morning. Luke chapter 4. Can we hit Luke chapter 4 here this morning? You still with me? 
Are you glad you came to church today? Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to absolutely set people free. He came to absolutely change our lives. He came to destroy the works of the devil in our life. And and if this is an area where, you know, a lot of people, again, I know people that they just they, they don't want to identify this and admit it and you know, hey, whatever. But at the same time, if we will identify and deal with some of the things that have messed with our heart over the years, I'm telling you right now, you will have the bondage. Jesus will deliver you out of that bondage. He came to set us free. And sometimes until the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change, we won't do anything. You ever notice that? Sometimes we're just so used to and so accustomed to a certain way of life, but and a lot of us, until that becomes more painful than just actually changing, we'll just live with it and won't do anything with it. But Jesus has better for you today than having to live with a heart like this. Luke 4, 18, Jesus himself said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free. There are people oppressed by the devil. They are oppressed. I didn't say possessed, though I've seen people possessed by the devil, and I have cast the devil out of people in the name of Jesus Christ, and I'm not afraid to do it again. But what we see a lot of the time is this, that there are people oppressed by the devil. And they're like, well, I don't, why can't he change? Why is she doing that? Why can't they change? And whatever, man, they are oppressed by the devil. Sometimes it's because they didn't guard their heart. Sometimes it's maybe a door was open somewhere. Maybe it's just the devil picking on them, whatever. But the good news is this, that even if you were being oppressed, that Jesus Christ came to say that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set Free. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ today. That's the good news. That if you've been oppressed, that if you have been held captive by the devil in any area, it does not have to stay that way. Things can change through the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I don't think that we realize how powerful Jesus is or his name is. You know, uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians, he said, I'm just praying that you would grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that you would realize the mighty power of God that's available to you. I feel powerless, man. I... Maybe in myself I feel powerless, but there's not a day of my life that I'm powerless because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me. Amen? You are a born-again 
child of God. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. The things that have held you bound for years, they don't have to anymore. You're a new person. You're not who you used to be if you'll receive the freedom that Jesus came to offer. And somebody said, well, we're only human. Don't lie to me. I am not only human. I'm one third human, but a third of me is wall to wall filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm a born again child of God. I am not only human. A third of me is human, but I've got a born again spirit on the inside of me. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. When Satan messes with me, he is messing with the son of God. When Satan tries to put sickness on me, he's trespassing on God's property. When Satan tries to come in and mess with my life and my family, he's messing with a son of God. And we've got authority over it. Luke 10. In fact, turn there. Luke 10. Let's go there real quick. Not in the notes. Not going to be on the screen. Luke 10. Luke 10. Somebody needs to know because it's very apparent that we don't yet have the revelation of the power of God that's available to you. You do not have to put up with sickness. Yeah, we do. No, you don't. You've got a covenant from God. I refuse to live my life in fear over sickness when the Bible clearly says that Jesus came to take our sickness and remove our disease. Matthew eight seventeen. Exodus fifteen twenty six says, I am the Lord who heals you. Now, if I didn't have a Lord who healed me, then I'd be afraid of sickness. But I flat out refuse to be afraid of sickness. I'm not afraid of it. And, well, you're stupid. I, I, well, I think you're weird. You're weird. Exodus, or excuse me, Luke chapter 10. And so, uh, verse 17, it says, When the 72 disciples returned, I thought there was only 12 disciples. No, there was a lot more. Right here, there's 72 disciples. They joyfully reported to him, talking to Jesus, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Whose name have you been trying to get rid of the devil in your life? You've been using your own, just trying to be strong. I'm just trying to be strong, brother. That fails every time. But the disciples said, when we use your name, even the demons have to obey us, Jesus. Verse 18, yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Jesus said, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Will that include power over your mental health? I believe it does. Will that include authority over your physical health? Would that include authority over your family, over your job, over your money, over your health, over your everything? Yes, he said, I've given you authority over all the power of the devil. You need to guard your heart so you can use that authority over the devil. There's no way that a child of God should be getting punked around, getting their face rubbed in the dirt, being this in the same condition that the whole rest of the world is in. It should not be that way. You are not like everybody else. You are not only human. You're different. You're a child of God. You've got a covenant from God. And it's time that you realize that and that you start taking advantage of what belongs to you. So 
guard your heart above all else, even more than you guard your diet, even more than you guard, you know, whatever it is that you guard. Guard your heart above all else and start using the authority that Jesus Christ gave you. He said, use my name. Well, who am I going to say send him? Man, tell him that I'm coming in the name of Jesus Christ and you better stop right now in the name of Jesus. You use the name of Jesus. And so, well, how could, how, how could all this happen? You need to start guarding your heart. When the enemy comes, you resist the devil. You submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. James 4 verses 7 and 8. You, 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 you read the word of God. David said, I've hidden your word in my heart. That I might not sin against you. Well, I don't know how to overcome this sin. Get the word of God all over your heart. It'll help you beat that sin that's tried to destroy your life. Well, I don't know what to do next. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. There's ways to guard your heart. And we want to help you. But I'm telling you right now. In the end times. In the final days of planet earth. We need Christians to be strong. We need there to be a a remarkable difference between you and the rest of this world. You're the light of the world. You are. Well, I thought Jesus said, yeah, Jesus did say that he's the light of the world. But he also said, you are the light of the world. Matthew chapter 5. You're the light of the world. And if your heart is all messed up and and holding you back, that light's not going to shine too bright. You need to be ready to be free, to do the work of God, to follow the plan that God has for you in these end times. You've got authority in the name of Jesus to change this whole place. But it's up to you. You've got to guard your heart. Can I get an amen today? Amen. Can we stand up together? Can we stand up together? Praise God. Well, I trust and I I believe in the name of Jesus that you received something today. I know sometimes, you know, we hit some areas and, you know, maybe it, Maybe, uh, you know, you don't agree with her. Maybe it hits too close to home. Maybe whatever. I, you know, I'm just trying to be the messenger here. And so uh, I pray, though, that God is working in us through everything we're studying right now, because your heart is the core of who you are. It's the most important piece of the puzzle to you. And as a Christian, you have a brand new heart, a brand new spirit when you receive Jesus. A brand new heart, a brand new spirit. Think about that. That the old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's your heart. And he wants to do a great work in your life today. Can you raise your hands? I want to pray over everybody. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word today. And God, we know that you have another level of life for us, Lord. We know that according to Ephesians 3.20, that you want to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And you said it's according to the power that works in us. And so, God, I thank you that as we open up to your word, as we receive what you're saying, that you're doing a work in our lives. And, Lord, I ask you to have your way. If you need to do some heart surgery today, if you need to help us just cut some things out that have maybe grown there, help us to cut that mess out and to put a blockade up, put a put a wall around our hearts, God, and never let that enter in again. We thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I want to do something again today that we did last week. Um, and it's this, I'm going to have Katie lead us in a worship song here for a minute, but I just, there's just something about it. I'm inviting you 
to come to the altar today on your own. If you want me to pray for you, you want our prayer team, I'll lay hands on you, man. I'd lay hands on a watermelon if it would ask me. I'll pray for anybody anywhere. But I do want to say this, that there's something about being at the altar in the presence of God. And uh, I'm, I'm inviting you to come up to God's holy altar today. I mean, I remember a time when, uh, well, a year ago when they said you couldn't come to an altar. <laughs> when they said you couldn't come to I am glad to go to the altar of God anytime. But I'm not saying you got to make a show yourself. But if you want to come up and be in the presence of God and sing and talk to God and let him talk to you for a minute, it'll do you a whole lot of good, whether you realize it or not. The altar's open. Katie's going to lead us in some worship for a minute. I invite you right now to come up to the altar and sing to God, talk to God, pray to God, do some business with God. And that's, I'm going to be right here, man. I'm, I'll take all this I can get, the anointing of God. But we're going to close out around the altar today. And you can talk to God and sing to Him and do what you got to do. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me And all my days I've been held in your hand From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing The goodness of God All my will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest nights. You were close like no other. I've known you as a father.
You are faithful. You are good to us, God. Lord, I pray right now for any healing that needs to take place in, in here today, God, whether of our bodies or maybe of our, our minds or even of our hearts, Lord. We thank you that you are the healer, Lord. You are good to us. And we know what your will is. Your will is for us to be set free. You said, that's why you came, Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Lord, to, to, to say that the captives, they, they can be set free, Lord. And so I say today... In the mighty name of Jesus, that you are freeing us in every possible way, God. Any any lie of the enemy, any trap, anything that's got a hold of our hearts, God, we choose to let that go today. Lord, even if we are justified in that hurt, God, it doesn't matter. The result still hurts us and gets the same end cause, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name that we are free and that you are doing a work in our lives right now. We love you. We praise you. You are so good to us. You are so good to us. We thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. Lord, you're good. Man, I'm telling you, there's this anointing up here at the altar, and it's hard to want to leave that. Um, Katie, can you just sing one more round for us? And and uh, we'll close out with this. But I'm going to let her sing a, one more round of worship for us. And, hey, if you want to be in the anointing of God, I encourage you to come up to the altar. You don't have to, but it's anointed up here, and I can absolutely sense that. Amen. But let's sing one more round here. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness. God is good to us. Who could say amen to that? Amen. God's been good to us. He is faithful. He is just. His mercy never ends. Amen. Well, I'll let everybody uh, make their way back. We're going to go ahead and close out today. Unless they want to hang out up here, then by all means hang out. But 
Um, I'm going to have uh, Mike and Betty. Can you guys stay up here in case anybody needs prayer? If you did come today needing hands laid on you, I'll have Mike and Betty up here as I close out, and you can uh, have them lay hands on you for anything that you need right there. But uh, praise God. We've had a great time today. I want to remind you that we have service tonight at 6 o'clock. So if you thought this was fun, hey, come back. Let's do it again. If you thought this was crazy, hey, it'll probably be crazier tonight. Let's do it again. Come on, somebody. So be back tonight. 6 o'clock, there is prayer at 5 p.m. Miss Maxine will be leading that for us. And uh, it's just going to be an awesome time, all right? And, of course, pay attention to all the announcements. we got a lot of stuff going on. Baptisms, Financial Peace University, everything else. But we want to take care of you and meet your needs here at High Desert Word Center, doing it the way of God. Amen? All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and say our financial faith. Or, well, no, no, sorry. Uh, I got so many confessions. What is it? The Barstow Faith Confession. Yeah, well, we could do the financial one. Hey, we've got three faith confessions now, and they're all they're all awesome. But uh, praise God! All right, so we're gonna say our Barstow faith confession, and then you are dismissed. And I do want you to know we love you so much. If you ever think nobody loves me, Jesus does, and we do. Okay, we love you. You are the best church family that I've ever been around in my life. I have been. From New York to L.A. and a lot of places in between. And I just love you guys. You mean so much to the Samples family and to the High Desert Word Center uh, family. You guys are the best people in the world. And I'm not even saying that. I love you so much. Right? Let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tonight.